0: We just want to welcome you again wherever you're watching from. My name's Andy Elms and I'm the senior leader of Family Church and the lead pastor. And uh, hey, if you're watching in one of our congregations, we're so glad that you're joining with us today with your families. But if you're also joining us because you've joined our journey over these last 42 weeks, we're so thankful that you're watching. We know that we have people watching from around the country and indeed around the world. And that's a great privilege and honour to us. As a church we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting and we led up to this towards the end of last year and started with a bang I believe on January the 1st and however you're praying and fasting I really am believing that you will encounter that like we spoke of last week, that kiss of the prince, that fresh touch of the Holy Spirit and awakening in your life at this time. You know people are fasting in different ways, some people full fasting, Daniel fasting, partial fasting, fasting social media, however you're doing your prayer and fasting, according to how the Holy Spirit has led you to do it, I just really want to believe, God, that you will get a breakthrough, not just these 21 days, but into this coming year of 2021. Now, there's many layers to um, fasting, I believe, and prayer. Uh, For me, it's like the first few days, uh, you come in and you're almost like bringing your life before the Lord, that living sacrifice, And you're saying, Lord, if there's any junk in me, get rid of it. If there's any pride in me, get rid of it. And the first few days of prayer and fasting for me are very much me bringing my life before the Lord and saying, Lord, before I ask you for anything, before I ask you to do anything, would you take from me? Would you change in me anything that needs to be changed? Because sometimes we can be praying for the Lord to do things and he's doing them and he wants to release them. But there's something in us sometimes that needs a tweak or a little bit of movement. And then I find that after that moment of laying my life before the Lord, saying, Lord, I just opened my life before you. Search me, O Lord, search my heart, search my life. Then suddenly comes a rich presence of the God um, and a fresh encounter with him. And I'm gonna be believing for every one of you to be experiencing that as well. First, we lay down everything. Remember, when we present ourselves to him, we're not presenting the old person we used to be that died in Christ we're presenting the new creation. Sometimes when people go into prayer and fasting, they're like, Lord, sorry for what I did 20 years ago and 40 years ago. Listen, the blood of Jesus Christ has effectively caused you to have a new being and be a new creation. So present to him the new creation that he's made you to be, but then be listening for that voice in the whisper as God speaks to your heart concerning you, our church, and our nation. To me, When we go into a time of prayer and fasting, it's quite normal for me to find within myself a greater desire for consecration. And consecration is an interesting word, uh, but it's an important word if we're going to really live with a heart to walk with Jesus the very best that we can. Now, whenever I'm praying and I'm before the Lord, I've presented myself towards the Lord. I'm spending 21 days or longer just seeking him and laying aside things that would normally take my attention or my affection. I find within myself, Lord, I want to be more set apart for you. I want my life, my future, to be more set apart for you. That's consecration. You see, consecration seems like a big word. It can be so many big words within Christianity. But consecration simply means to be set apart for, to be set apart for the use of another. In the Old Testament, it involved items, items. It involved priests. We know that. We'll look at that a little bit later on. But a lot of the time that we read about consecration in the Old Testament, it was in the temple. It was cups. It was items. It was things that the Lord said, these are for my purpose. Now, these items didn't have any choice, did they? They were items. They were inanimate objects, um, but they were taken by the priests and they were set apart. They couldn't be used for common use. They couldn't be used for everybody to have a swig of juice out of. They were consecrated, set apart for the purposes of God within the temple. And that also happened with the priests as well, Aaron and his family. Now, we see in the Old Testament um, this principle of consecration, setting things aside for God. But it's also now in the New Testament a matter of our lives. God isn't wanting us to lay aside items um, for his purposes. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't use your car and should be able to use your car to give people lifts and the things that he's blessed us with in our life. But he's after us. In the Old Testament, it was different. In the New Testament, he's after us. He wants us, not what we own, not what he's blessed us with. He wants us. Now, I want to look today at the subject of consecration in the time that we've got together and the thought of living consecrated. Us all coming out of a time of fasting, whatever fasting and prayer has looked like for you, coming out, I believe we should all have a greater desire to live consecrated for the Lord, not in a religious way, but in a way that changes us and changes everything around us. To me, consecration is an interesting subject. It's not spoken a lot of in the Bible, but it's a very, very key aspect for somebody wanting everything that's available in God. I'm bringing to you today some thoughts that I've got on consecration from my own journeys and my own thinking. Also from when I've studied a gentleman called Watchman Nee who was around in 1930, 1940, an incredible man of God that brought real and true revival to China in those years. And I want to share with you some thoughts concerning what consecration is, keeping it from being religious or legalistic and making a relational thing between us and God. Consecration starts with knowing we now belong to him that's where consecration begins if you don't know you belong to God consecration isn't even an issue consecration the first steps of consecration setting ourselves apart for God and his purposes starts with us knowing that we now belong to God knowing that you were his and that you were bought with a price he bought you for himself with his own blood. That's a powerful thought because you will never understand true consecration until you understand that your life is not your own. If you're a Christian, if you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you were bought from darkness. You were bought from slavery by the Lord with his own shed blood to be his. So we have to understand this first footprint before we can enter in to the benefits of consecration. Let me read you a verse, a well-known verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are now the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received now from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore honour God now with your bodies. I love these verses. It tells us that If our lives to the temple of God, which they now are in the Old Testament, the temples were physical ones built by men. But our lives have now become the temples of God. And the Lord says in these verses that his Holy Spirit now lives and resides and rules and reigns within the temple of our life. But it also reminds us of something very important. Your life is not your own. I believe in this age of modern Christianity. This is indeed the rise and fall moment for many people because with all the rights that apparently ours in this modern world, people can struggle sometimes, not with the Lord saving them, but with their life now not being their own and belonging to the one who shed his blood to buy you. But this is where I see some Christians rise when they understand it and others just maintain and go around in circles when they struggle or contend against it. Consecration, living set apart for the Lord, is when you know you belong to him. You know that you once didn't, but now you've believed in the work of the cross and the work of salvation. You now belong to the household of God. You belong to the family of God. And consecration is that you now know you belong, but you also now give away the rights of your life to the one you belong to. My friends, this is where it rises and falls. I've seen such shallow levels of Christianity over the years that were always the result of people wanting the benefits of God but not wanting him to be Lord and Saviour over what they do and where they go and the things they plan. Let's be mature in our approach to God, not religious, mature, and say, Lord, not only do we belong to you, but, Lord, we want you to do what you want to do in our lives. It's not a highly taught subject, as I said, but it's a key one. And love is the basis of our consecration, not law or fear. Law and fear cannot be the basis of your consecration. Firstly, you must understand that you belong to God now. You're not your own. Corinthians says it so openly. You're not your own. Get the point. Come on, come to the conclusion. You were once your own and look at the mess you were in. You were not your own. You were bought by another with his blood and you were brought to another by his grace. So it's love that causes us to want consecration, a set apart life for the Lord, not like a monk or or a nun or anything like that, living in a convent, but rather that we live our daily lives as a living sacrifice and our lives are daily consecrated, set apart for his purposes. They're not up for the devil to use anymore or even our own agenda, but we live to glorify him. I love the verses in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, if you're making note, where it speaks of The love of God now constraining us. It must be the love of God that constrains you and causes you to now want to live set apart for the one who purchased you with his own life. We can't have law and legalism. Well, I'm not going to do this because the Bible says I can't. I'm not going to do this. That's true to an element. But there should be something richer if this is a relationship we have with the Lord, that we choose. Not to do what we used to do or serve what we used to serve because we understand our life is no longer our own and we belong to him. There's many Old and New Testament examples that we could draw through. As I've said, the Old Testament examples of consecration involved buildings. Buildings were consecrated. Things were consecrated, cups and items in the temple. Certain priests, high priests were consecrated for purposes of the Lord. But in the New Testament, it's all about our lives. In the New Testament, everything changes at the cross, you see. It moves from being buildings and performance to being our lives and our living daily relationship with God. Like it says in First Corinthians, we were bought with a price, we're no longer our own. We understand that he bought us with his own blood, but he also brought us to himself. Now, Paul is obviously speaking in 1 Corinthians to a a Corinthian church with a Corinthian way of understanding and he was relating to them the principle in a way that they would understand. Now you've got to understand in that time in Corinth and Rome there was a lot of um, slavery, there was a lot of human marketing where you would go to a marketplace and you would buy people. This was the culture of that day, thank you Jesus not today, but in that culture you would come and you would pay a price and that person Now belonged to you. And there was an expectation in that belonging that they would live for your will, no longer their own. And this is what Paul was speaking to. Now, how do we break that down and interpret that in 21st century church? Well, some ways, in the same way, that we were in slavery, we were bound by the devil, we were out of control, our nature was wrong. And then he came and he shed his blood at the cross he gave the highest price and he bought us to himself. The question now for each of us as we listen to this is, okay, we've now been bought by him, we belong to him. Will we now be his? You see, he can own us, but he can't govern the response in our heart of whether we feel we belong and we want to serve. This is indeed consecration. That thought But not only do we belong to him, but now we lay aside our rights and our ways to serve his purposes. It's amazing that in modern church, we really feel that we have so many choices that are actually not ours. Sometimes people could say, well, I know God wants me to do this, but I'm going to choose to do something else. This comes from a misunderstanding of the rights of redemption. You see, you were bought from slavery into freedom and your life is not your own and the right and correct response to redemption is Lord no longer my will be done but yours Lord not what I want for my life Lord what I own is no longer just mine it's there for your purposes you see the right of redemption says we should all have no choice but again in the modern age church that we experience there's so much choice People apparently have so many rights. The problem is, I don't know if the Bible disag- agrees with that. When the Bible considers us now a purchased people, now don't get me wrong, we are a family of God. We are heirs to the Father, joint heirs to the Son. But let us never forget our lives are not our own. They belong to him and now we want to see him as the one who rules over us. So this is the subject of belonging to or being consecrated to it's about knowing you belong that's ownership you want to put it a number of ways you can to make it polite but if we believe in what salvation teaches us he now owns our life as a loving father and he owns us our lives are not our own but when we then choose to set our life apart for him that's consecration You see, a person can be owned by God because they've been bought. God loves them. That's not the issue. They'll go to heaven. That's not the issue. But the question that I'm giving you out of my own time of prayer and fasting, the last 21 days, is are we saying, Lord, this life that you bought is now set apart for your purposes and for you? Consecration, I believe, should be the very next act that follows ownership but we know that we're bought and then we say Lord now everything I am for your use and your purpose wholly yours for your use for your dreams no shared ownership I'm not going to share the ownership of this item this person my life that you now own that you paid a fair price for with the life of the one I'm not going to share it with the one who once owned me or even my own agendas look again at Old Testament consecration. In doing so, we can gain, I believe, a true weightiness of what I'm sharing this morning. Now, when we speak of concentra- con- concentration, <laughs> consecration uh, in the Old Testament, like I said, we see that it was done with items, jugs, bowls, or manner of different items when you read through the book of Exodus and Leviticus. But it also involved um, people who were priests. And not everybody, it involved one tribe. From all the 12 tribes, one tribe was taken and one family within that tribe was selected and then a person within that family, the person that I'm referring to here is Aaron. And that person and that family were set apart, not just the person but the family from the tribe were set apart for the purposes of God, to serve God, that was their purpose in life to live their lives as living sacrifices in many ways for what God needed and desired. Now, the good news is, we're not in Old Testament priesthood anymore. But in fact, every one of us have been brought into one family, a family of, of priests that belong to God, that we should all be ministering to the Lord, not just in our worship, but in the way that we live. So we can step over into the New Testament and say, well, praise the Lord, we're all apart, whether born Jew or Gentile, if we've placed faith in Christ, We're all a part of the same family, but we are a family of people that need to live separated and consecrated. You see, one of the problems in the world today is often when the world would look at us, the unsaved world or the people who have not yet encountered Jesus in the world look at us, sometimes they don't see anything different to the life they're living. Ownership isn't missing. Consecration, living lives that are different, lives that live to honour him, is what I believe will cause us to truly stand out in this generation. Now, when they took a priest, Aaron, and they consecrated him, um, you can read about this. Let me just give you just the background. Exodus 28, verse 40. Let me read that to you. It speaks of Aaron's consecration and his family. It said, make, make tunics, sashes, and caps for Aaron uh, and to his sons to give them dignity and honor. And you see, the Lord was separating them for dignity and honour. It wasn't their own. It was what the Lord was putting on them. After you put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons, anoint them and ordain them. Consecrate them so that they may serve me now with the rest of their lives as priests. So we see the action of consecration towards Aaron. But I want to share something with you that really blessed my heart when I was looking at it this week. It was a very interesting thing that happened when they consecrated a person for the service of the Lord. It involved an ear, a thumb, and a toe. I'll leave you to ponder that while I take a sip of water. Consecration involved an ear, a thumb, and a big toe. Intrigued? Let me read you what it says in Leviticus about what would happen when a person was consecrated to the purposes of God, not just owned, consecrated. And he brought the second ram. There were many rams in this, in this sacrifice, in this moment. There were, uh, there were things slayed for atonement and sin, but then it would come to the moment of consecration. It says, and he, and he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration, Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of that ram and Moses killed it. Also, he took some of its blood and he put it on the tip, on the very tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he brought Aaron's sons and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ear on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around the altar. I'm so thankful that in the Old Testament, it's that to deal with a lot of blood. In the New Testament, we just deal with the blood of the one that shed it for us. It's a lot cleaner, a lot less messier. And I don't know how we would do that over TV, to tell you the truth. It would be quite horrific to watch for those that don't know anything about Jesus. But... I wanna pick up on this moment where he took the blood of the ram that was shed for consecration, and that's a type and shadow of the Lord, isn't it? And he put it on the top of the ear, the thumb, and the right toe. What was the meaning of this? I believe there's lots of meanings. Number one, the ear represented to, now I will listen to God's voice and leading. Now my life has been consecrated. I will be guided and led by the voice, by the voice of God, his word and his ways, and indeed his leadership. The thumb is interesting, the right thumb. To me, that represents, your thumb represents your hands, the things you do, the doing of God's will. Now my life has been bought. I belong to you. I now consecrate my life with the blood of the lamb that redeemed me, A priest doesn't do this to me. I do this to me. That's the New Testament way. But in the Old Testament, they anointed the ear and that meant that the person was now expected to listen to God. The priest was now expected to listen to God, the voice of God for his direction. The thumb represented he was now set apart to do God's will. And the toe obviously represented that he would walk now in the path and the ways of God and not his own. From this point, They belonged. From this moment, the priest who was consecrated, Aaron in this case, belonged exclusively to God, to his purposes and to his will. Now, I know that this is a lot of blood talk and if there's young children watching, uh, forgive me for that. It's all good. We're going to use it to go somewhere. It's important, you see, that the blood that we speak of here was representative, a type and shadow, a pre-runner to the blood of Jesus Christ that would purchase us, redeem us and set us apart for his purposes on the earth. Our lives, when we're born again and consecrated, like the life of the priest, then become living sacrifices for him, no longer Old Testament dead sacrifices. Another big crossover is but we see the way that they did consecration in the old, and now we want to understand what consecration or being set apart like uh, looks like in the New Testament. But one thing that happens is it's no longer God wanting or desiring the death of animals to be dead sacrifices. Rather, he now says to us, his church, his family, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to be fully alive in the new creation and give me... The rule and reign and the rights of your life every day when you like it and when you don't when you feel like it and when you don't you see new testament consecration i believe is represented really well in the book of romans some of you probably knew i was going in this direction book of romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 2 we've looked at consecration in the old testament we understand that jesus changed everything at the cross his blood bought us to himself, and he wants us to live consecrated because we're now his. Listen to what Romans, what Paul says to the Romans here in in Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, I strongly urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because it's his mercy that saved us. It was nothing but the mercy and the grace of God that saved us and brought us from the auctioning block of slavery. Paul is saying, I urge you now, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to now offer your bodies, your lives as a living sacrifice. Holy, not holy, holy, because the Lord has made you holy now. He's given you his holiness. Righteousness is by faith. You are now righteous in Christ. He has made that which was unrighteous righteous in him and that which was unholy now holy in him. That's why the Holy Spirit can live in you. How could the Holy Spirit live in you if you were yourself not holy, if the temple was not holy? God has made us holy, not by our effort or our works, but by faith in him. But listen to how this now opens up. I urge you now, brothers and sisters who know the mercy of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and available, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. God doesn't want you to sacrifice your life in some wicked, crazy altar. He wants you to stay alive, but stay alive for him. God doesn't want dead animals. He wants living sons and living daughters, the redeemed sons of Adam and Eve, living now fully committed to him and his ways. It says this is our true and proper worship. We make worship to be many things, don't we? But according to the book of Romans, our worship is when we just, not just in 21 days of prayer and fasting, we of our own choice bring our lives before him in the audience of one and say, Lord, this life is not my own it belongs to you have your way let me know you're leading let my hands do your will and let my feet go in your directions and then it carries on in verse 2 don't conform any longer to the pattern or the ways of this world rather be transformed supernaturally changed from the inside out by the renewing and the changing of your mind and your will then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. This is a wonderful way of helping us to understand that now God doesn't want slaughtered beasts. He wants the lives that he purchased with his blood, his redemptive blood, to now just bow the knee to his leadership, his rule and reign, to his will. Now when we look at this, we see that in the same way that the blood affected the ear, the thumb and the toe of the Old Testament priest, it really does for us today, doesn't it? We're left in that same quandary or moment of choice. My prayer when I think of my consecration to the Lord is simply, Lord, my ears are now yours too, fully, wholly. Let my life be guided and my steps be guided in how I live my life, Lead my family, handle my finances, and lead the church that you've committed to me. Lord, may I lead all those things according to an ear that's now set apart for you. My hands are now yours, Lord. Let me only do what pleases you in the things I have to handle in those roles that I've been given in life. Let my hands be set apart and dedicated to do things in a way that pleases you. Lord, may my feet be yours. May, me, may I no longer go in the directions that I shouldn't go in and do the things I once did. But may I walk on the path of your word and walk in your direction and be like that righteous person whose life winds ever up. Obviously, it involves the rest of you, doesn't it? I'm not saying that God just wants your, <laughs> he wants your ear and, and, and your thumb and your toe. You could also do with your mouth. Boy, Would Christianity be a little bit nicer for those involved if people would allow the redemptive blood of Jesus to be upon their tongue and how they use their mouth? (laughs) Our bellies, maybe there's a point in fasting that we can do what I heard put once. Just let King's stomach have a few days off. All of us belongs to him. He paid more than a fair price, not for some of us, but for all of us. Hi, welcome back. Sorry for that disruption of signal. Um, I don't believe that that's any mistake. I believe that in many ways the enemy would hate for you to hear this message. And uh, he may have tried to attack me personally or different ways and that was to no avail. So he managed to throw a little jinx in our technical stuff because he doesn't want you to know that it's not good enough for you just to be owned by the Lord. that you should now let the Lord use your life because the moment that happens suddenly people begin to live like Christians and the world begins to see the church the beautiful glorious church living for God and standing out so here we are we're back in the message and uh, so thankful for our techie guys that were running around there repairing things what we're saying in being consecrated to the Lord according to Romans 12 is we are saying our Lord Lord, our lives now are wholly yours they're exclusively yours they're not for the use of anyone else formerly we belonged to the devil we were born of his nature thanks to Adam and his fall but Christ by his blood has redeemed us out of that way of living and now we are a part of the family of God So we need to be able to say, I'm not going to do the things I used to do when I served the devil, because now I belong to God. Paul highlights this in Romans, Romans 6. He says, you once presented your bodies and your lives to wickedness, perversity, uh, idolatry and all manner of different things. But now you're to present your life, your new creation, your blood-bought life to the Lord for his purposes and his intentions but also that can involve our will, doesn't it? Sometimes we can, um, we, can, we can say, but I'm a Christian, I'm bought by Jesus, but I still want to do this, I still want to do that, I still want to do this. We need to understand that those rights are not redemptive rights. But now our hearts should be, Lord, I don't want to live for the devil anymore, and I don't want to live for me or my humanity or the human me that I was before. I now exclusively want to be yours for your purposes. I, by choice and desire, now turn from other things and daily, not in church on Sunday, daily present myself to you as a living sacrifice. In saying that, what we're declaring is something very, very powerful. No idols in my life. There's no place for idols in my life. Formerly, before you were bought by the Lord and you, you, before you belong to him we all had idols in our life and sometimes we still allow some today don't we my prayer is that during this time of prayer and fasting we would be allowing the Holy Spirit to just gently place that loving hand on things that have maybe become idols in our lives but we could like they did in the Old Testament pull them down from the high places of who we are it's sad that often we can make idols out of things that are not evil They just don't deserve the attention we give them. You see, when you belong to the Lord and your life is consecrated to the Lord, the best of who you are, your attention, your effort, it belongs to him. Now, an idol is anything that we place above him. Anything that we give our attention to, our love to, our affection to, our time to, our money to, that's more than him. For me, I've also seen people do this, not just with objects and relationships, but I've seen people do this with causes too. Sometimes admirable causes, really good causes, important causes, people go out of balance and begin to make the causes that they've discovered that are true and vital and important, idols. What do I mean by that? All of their attention, all of their love, All of their speaking, everything they are, is for that cause. When actually, the cause that should possess us more than any other is the cause of the kingdom and the cause of Christ. It's not wrong to have causes and other stuff in our life, cars and and however the Lord has blessed you. It's, It's right that we have relationships, but we should never make those things idols in the temples of our life. Rather allow Christ to be central to everything that we are, and the one who gets the best of who we are. And indeed, when we do that, I believe He blesses everything else that we are and that we do, His hands on us. We also, like I mentioned before, we purpose to turn from our wills. Once before we belonged to God, we served our own will. We served the devil's will. We're true to his nature in us, but it is no more. But it was our will, wasn't it? I want to do that. The very problem in um, the Garden of Eden was uh, a problem of pride. And it's still a great problem today when people say, I will to do this. I don't want to will to do what God wants. No, in our salvation and our consecration, we turn from serving our own will and we bring our will under his Just like Jesus said in that most painful moment in the garden of Gethsemane. Lord, not my will be done, but yours. Okay, let's bring this to a conclusion today. Here's my thoughts on consecration. Having been saved by his love. I am now constrained by his love. And I devote my life to his service. And his purposes not when i'm in church every day of my life i want to live a life that's set apart consecrated for him and this is my choice i've chosen to do this because i understand what he did in saving me like i said this isn't a popular subject for those wanting a shallow experience of christianity For those just wanting to know they're going to go to heaven one day. This isn't going to be your favourite message or the favourite message of those that just want to get on with the lives they had before. And live like they used to live and just uh, pray every now and then. And maybe go to church when it opens back up. But for those who are seeking to be transformed. Go deeper into the Lord. Walk closer with the Lord. Hear him more clearly see him more clearly, be led by him in every everyday moment, then I believe that this is a very, very key message, not just for when we're praying and fasting, but for the lives we live beyond it. If you're wanting more of him, that's a good thing. But you see, the answer is you have to give him now more of you. What a strange thought. We're giving him what he already owns. In the way that he's formed us in relationship, he never demands, he invites. We already belong to him. In consecration, we give back to him what is already actually his. I pray for you this week that as you continue to pray and fast however the Lord's leading you, that you would find and I would find that fresh place of consecration for his glory and his purposes. Listen, if you're watching today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you can do that right now. It's simple, simple prayer that you pray from your heart. And in that moment, the Lord sees you. And like we've spoken before, he saves you and gives you a brand new life. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And then when you say amen at the end. You're agreeing with that prayer and you're saying, Andy, I make that prayer mine today. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you today that you have sent Jesus Christ. He died on a cross for us and became Christ Jesus. Our lives are now hidden in him. And a new birth experience, a new beginning, a fresh start. Full forgiveness is available today, right now in you. Jesus, I believe in you. You are the son of God and you are the saviour of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit today. My life is now yours. Teach me how to live set apart. Amen. Amen. When you say that word, amen, it just means that's mine too. If you prayed that prayer, I would love for you to let me know. Maybe you've come back to Jesus or you've prayed that prayer for the first time, just contact me at andy at family.church and we'll be sure to be back in contact with you. I hope you've enjoyed today. Sorry again for any technical issues. Um, I believe that that was more about an agenda of the enemy to stop you hearing this message than just mere mistakes or equipment failure. We love you. Let's keep moving forwards um, from glory to glory. Amen.